Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another video. Hope you're all doing well and that you're all having a fantastic day. As always, likes, comments, and subscriptions are always very much appreciated. Welcome back to another News I Missed. Where I go over news I missed, because there's always a bajillion things happening in this market, and I go over them with you here in these videos. And without further ado, let's jump right into it. Antony Trenchev, co-founder and managing partner of Nexo, the world's largest and most trusted lending institution in the digital finance industry, is expecting the price of Bitcoin to hit 100,000 US dollars within a year. This is according to a report published by CNBC on the 14th of April. The Nexo managing partner told CNBC that although he is concerned, he us concerned, okay, about Bitcoin in the short term, since its price might fall along with other risk assets such as US tech stocks as the Federal Reserve, continues tightening monetary policy by increasing interest rates. He still believes that within 12 months, we should see the price of Bitcoin hitting 100,000 US dollars. He said, I think Bitcoin's going to reach $100,000 this year, probably by the middle of it. This is not to be confused uh, with the CEO of Celsius Network, who basically said the exact same thing. We are on this really weird cryptocurrency roller coaster right now where prices, I mean, Bitcoin goes up by 2% and then falls by 4%. Bitcoin goes up by 6% and then falls by 5.5%. However, I guess it says a lot about the industry or the optimism floating in the air that there are so many people who are hyper-believers uh, that by some time this year, Bitcoin is going to hit 100,000. Keeping in mind, to be fair in some sort of way, this is still the year that we heard about in 2020 was supposed to be the year when Bitcoin's price not only hits six figures, but gets to the mythical level of 250,000 US dollars plus, which is the number that we heard in 2018, 2019, uh, from a number of banks as the price that Bitcoin would have to be in order to be able to potentially usurp and or move aside the U.S. dollar. So, yeah, um, the optimism is always there. The prices might not be, but it's interesting to see that consistently. And not only are the CEOs talking about Bitcoin's price doing amazing, wonderful things, uh, but every analyst is looking at the charts and they're saying that we are either gearing up for a liftoff. You've, you've, if you've been here the last like two weeks, you've seen the roller coaster of news. The price goes up by 1.8%, and every article is like, this is it. Bitcoin's going to 9 million tomorrow. And then it goes down by 2%, and everyone's like, okay, well, got to retest those lows. So, um,. It'll be an interesting year regardless. Uh, we will see by the end of this year if we it will be abundantly clear if we have hit a $100,000 Bitcoin. You know, I'm uh, not holding my breath and all that stuff. That's the Bitcoin will hit $100,000 at some point in 2022, according to just about everyone out there. Yeah. Let's move on.
Next up, Binance, the biggest crypto exchange by trading volume, announced plans to expand its investments and operations into France's Station F, the largest startup campus in the world. Changpeng Cao, founder and CEO of Binance, described the new space as the creative and innovative launchpad of his company's footprints in Europe. It's called Objective Moon. I know. Initiative was established to feature a new Binance R&D hub in France, supporting the development of the French and European blockchain and cryptocurrency ecosystem. Binance's efforts in joining the Station F are part of the Objective Moon program announced last November, aiming to turn France into the core of the European crypto community through a $100 million investment, according to a press release by Station F. I assume this is being done because if you missed the news at the beginning of this year when the witch hunt was going on, Binance is the largest cryptocurrency exchange, but they were the only ones, relatively, that did not have a physical location, i.e., they didn't have a physical location. There was no Binance store. There was no Binance office. And regulators didn't care for that. They said it was horrible. So Binance decided to open up many different locations around the world, and I guess France won the bid. I don't really know why France won, uh, because, once again, the internet is a just a wonderful place. Uh, cryptocurrency taxes in France are terrible. For those of you not looking at the screen, if you are an occasional cryptocurrency trader, I don't even know what that means. Like, is that once a week? You have a 30% tax on those occasional trades, if you are a professional trader, you have a 45% tax. If you are mining cryptocurrencies, you have a 45% tax. These things sound terrible. Why would I choose to do business in your country when you're taking basically half of my money? There's also apparently a, a flat rate tax, which is 12.8% plus another 17.2% for Social Security contributions. Why? Why? I assume there was some discussion behind the scenes from regulators that France has to be it. I question why it wasn't Germany or Portugal that has a, a after either immediately or after some time, a 0% cryptocurrency tax rate. Why, why do this? Um... It's kind of like the other day when I was talking about, I'm still confused as to why New York is the center of anything. They have such high taxes. Why would I want to wait six years to receive a license to be able to trade cryptocurrencies or to sell, buy, hold cryptocurrencies when I could go nearly anywhere else and get it in like five months and then also be completely tax-free? So, cool. Uh, they have a Web3 space now in France called Station F or Station F. I do Station France. But um, I hope they live their best lives there because I don't see any reason for this. It just seems kind of foolish, but who knows? I There's always something behind the scenes. Maybe there's some type of tax loophole that I simply don't know about. Alrighty, that's the Binance in France news. And yeah. Moving along. Next up, the regulatory arm of the UAE's financial center, known as the Abu Dhabi Global Market, 
or ADGM, has released a discussion paper that is seeking stakeholders' comments. I'm sure, I'm sure they're not. Regarding the regulation of decentralized finance, the paper also makes clear the regulator's stance regarding the anonymity of DeFi transactions. Before I even dig a bit further into this, and for those of you who aren't into DeFi, have never looked into DeFi, please, please, please do so. Just, you know, as always, do your own research. It's very important. You have to know about the market that you're actually in. The entire prospect of DeFi since its creation and as it becomes more decentralized uh, is the idea that the old system is old. That's the nicest way of saying it. Nearly everything that is being built into the DeFi ecosystem kind of replaces banks as a whole. You might remember about two years ago when DeFi became more of a topic and all these Decentralized exchanges began to launch, and the idea was not only are they um, decentralized and there's no core head figure, a lot of them begin to have like, um, what do you call it? Like loans. You could take out loans through the DeFi platform. It was secured, or so they say, through a smart contract. So you knew that you had to lock up Bitcoin as collateral. You would get the loan in a stable coin or something else, and you could kind of do whatever you wanted. There was a very famous case about a year and some change ago, somewhere around there, well, this guy made international news. I think he took out a $1 million loan against his Bitcoin as collateral. He bought whatever he had to do. He had to so-and-so and so, and then he got his Bitcoin back. I don't remember the name of the guy or the whatever, but it made news. It was very, very popular. This completely goes against and circumvents the idea of needing a bank. What happens, and here we go. Here's the entire picture for all of you out there. Governments print money. Governments hand you the money and say, hey, this has value. And the government has the power because they are the creator of the value. Fast forward, everyone can run a node or can validate transactions on Bitcoin. Or even if you want to, you can have a couple of mining rigs and you may make a couple of Satoshis per day. Cool, wonderful. However, you are still part of this network. There is not one centralized entity. And therefore, millions of people have the right and prospect to be able to mint these coins on a daily basis, should they so choose so. What happens? Where's the government there? They're not there because you are mining the cryptocurrencies yourself. What happens when the people who create the money no longer are creating the money that people want to use? It's the new kind of money that ends up having the value. Still with me? Cool. The other part of it being, who typically gives out loans? It's a bank. You sit there talking with someone, trying to explain to them that you really need this loan. They look at you like they really don't care, whatever the actual case might be. Now, what happens if there are protocols that run on smart contracts that are run by code that mathematically, you know, they will always uh, be correct according to math, if you will. And you say, hey, I need a loan. Here's my collateral against it. And you get it in seconds as opposed to waiting six months or having to sit in a room with someone to write paperwork. What's the point of the bank? We've gone over that before, even when it comes to stable coins. Stable coins are big and will continue to be big, not only because of their replacement of the usage of the US dollar in a timely, efficient, quick manner, but also the the uh, the return rates that a lot of them... I, I hold no stable coins, by the way. It's just more of a, a logical thing. If your bank is offering you 0.02% per year on your money with an 8% inflation rate, which means you're losing money every single year, what happens to the stablecoin that has a, a 7 or 8% yearly return rate? People begin to move into these 
new markets. A lot of governments realize what's going on. They're clearly unhappy because in a matter of 13 years, people have figured out ways to decentralizedly, not a word, replicate the old system. And I dare hesitate on saying in a much better way. It still has its quirks. It still needs to be worked out. But in about 10 to 15 years, this will all be smoothed out and it will be the better system. So I haven't even read any further. The, the entire point of this is, is governments are, we, we, we've had discussions before on governments and regulators who were like, hey, we need to get this DeFi thing under control. But the way that it works is any platform, there were two last year that received notices from the SEC for dealing in unregistered securities and stuff like that. When other applications of blockchain technology get hit by regulators, what happens is, and has happened for a very long time, is people simply find new ways to not get around them, but it's more of a, uh, well, they won't be able to f- to find us or say anything. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's more of a, the, the, the blockchain cryptocurrency space will continue to move its way through the system until it's completely decentralized and like like a lot of the major protocols you that are for DeFi, you can't send them a letter so how do you get control over the market if you are a government you basically have to spread fear it's the same thing that we saw with with the original cryptocurrency market uh bitcoin's too slow bitcoin's used by criminals bitcoin's used by this bitcoin's terrible bitcoin's rat poison square which is the dumbest thing rat poison squared i'm sure if anyone got scared at that statement i was uh, please just go outside for a walk. Um, So what we're going to see over the next couple of years is going to happen because a lot of banks have also gotten into the DeFi space, but it's not DeFi. It's the same exact, um, I can't think of the word. You know, like that that smoke that you see in movies that like magicians do, like where they go, ooh, I disappeared and all the smoke comes up. It's kind of smoke and mirrors, I guess we can call it. It's the same exact thing for well, you don't have to use Bitcoin because we're going to have a digital currency as a government and therefore you should be using this one. So what's going to be happening with a lot of banks and institutions and governments is that they are going to start to sidestep any normal DeFi protocols that are out there that people are using right now and say, well, it has a lot of faults. It has a lot of so-and-so. But this bank, us, we are also we also have our own decentralized uh, you know, DeFi uh, platform People will look into it and one bank will have a node, another bank will have a node, and the government office will have a node. But that to them is decentralized. That's more than the one physical entity that had the actual um, node before or you know any type of centralized authority. So, I mean, sure, why not? So basically, they were discussing how to get things under control. This is not the only discussion that's happening right now. It's the same exact thing with years ago with regulators trying to figure out how to get Bitcoin under control, how to control Bitcoin's price, how to get people out of the Bitcoin market, how to get people to stop being so obsessed with it. It's, it's, it's all these things constantly repeating, but the new thing for them to really worry about isn't uh, Facebook making their own coin anymore. It's us leaving the old system behind. We know how to do these things. We know like there's no need for the old system anymore. Like, just completely. If you have code that does the exact same thing, what's the point of of the old system being around? So, um, just expect the same exact way a couple of years ago when a lot of people were asking me why I didn't uh, like Monero or Zcash or Dash or have them in my portfolio. 
It's because regulators, when they get too scared of something, they, they, they strike as hard as they possibly can until no one pays attention to it anymore. The only thing that's really survived have been thus far Bitcoin and Ethereum. So DeFi is also going to take some type of a hit, but it's also going to exist in its own realm outside of regulatory purview because it's only going to get stronger as time goes on. But then also look forward uh, to governments announcing that they also have DeFi, which won't be DeFi, but it's them trying to find a solution to keep power and trying to keep people on their side. It's, 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 all, it's very fascinating to see all of this unfold. It's very, very fascinating. I, I didn't think all of this would take 13 years to happen, but I can only imagine what the next seven years, seven, eight years are actually going to be like as well. Yeah, that's the um, UAE is trying to figure out how to uh, gain control over DeFi. And it was something I mentioned years ago as well that I no longer, I mean, I mean, it's never really in the news, not that I don't talk about it. Uh, don't forget, at some point, Bitcoin is also going to have uh, completely private transactions, as is Ethereum and many other coins. Like, this has been proposed by a lot of these people. Like, you can find an article from two years ago where Vitalik Buterin was talking about, like, he eventually wants completely private transactions on Ethereum. Like, this is the idea of being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want online. It'll be through Ethereum, so we no longer will be using the old system, but... It's going to be a very, very, very fascinating future for all of us. Alrighty. Let's move on. Also in the news, Portuguese-based bank known as Bison Bank has received permission from the Portugal Central Bank or Banco de Portugal to operate as a virtual asset service provider or a VASP, making it the... or VASP? I would say VASP, making it the first bank in the country to be given the green light by the regulator. On Thursday, Banco de Portugal updated its list of virtual asset service providers, adding Bison Digital Assets as the country's fifth licensed crypto exchange. The company is newly created to create under operate under Bison Bank, which is fully held by a Chinese uh, private capital firm based in Hong Kong. Sorry for the noise. It's more of a uh, they don't like the cryptocurrency space. I've looked into things before that are usually owned by entities from that country, and it's always a little a little slimy. So, but I mean, you know, money, what have you. And will position its crypto services to high net worth customers, as is usually expected. Anytime, anytime we've seen anything first gets offered to anyone, especially in the cryptocurrency space, it's only for the most wealthy. And then everyone else has to kind of wait in line for three years until rich people uh, have filled up their own pockets. So cool. Um, wonderful. I'm glad. A Is this the first crypto bank? Yeah. First bank in the country. Wonderful. I hope it works out for them. Uh, every other bank is going to be applying for these at some point in the future as well. Portugal is getting very huge. If you haven't heard before, like I just said, they're one of the few countries on the planet that has a 0% tax rate when it comes to crypto. Um, I think some other famous uh, family just also moved there. A lot of people are moving there. It's very, you know, zero. you cannot beat 0% taxes. It's, it's, it's literally, I mean, unless it's like negative taxes and, and the government's paying you every year, but I don't think that exists anywhere. Anyway. That's the Bison Bank has received a, 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 a charter, a piece of paper that says that they can um, provide crypto custody. Fantastic. Um, moving on.
And this was also news. The Montenegrin government has begun fulfilling its pledge to become a hub for blockchain innovation by reportedly making Ethereum creator Vitalik Buterin its newest citizen. Montenegrin news outlet RTCB reported that Prime Minister... I can't pronounce that. Recommended Buterin receive the privilege to help the southeastern European nation promote its efforts to become a blockchain innovation hub. There does not appear to be an official announcement. However, there's a photo of them standing side by side and Vitalik Buterin is holding up a passport. So, you know, pretty self-explanatory. Montenegro hosted the Ethereum co-founder on the 7th of April at the Future Now panel discussion hosted by... I also can't pronounce that. Their panelist Buterin, uh, Vlad Zamfir, uh, Law Boris Mamlik, and the minister spoke on the legality of the blockchain identity, smart contracts, and government, and other topics. Sure. Uh, congratulations to him. I assume he has multiple passports. Many rich people have multiple passports, for those of you who don't know that. The idea is um, it's a little dark. The idea kind of is if something goes down there, I can go over there. I, I think most wealthy individuals tend to hold, I think, three or four plus passports because uh, there are many places around the world where you can literally just kind of buy a passport. I'm actually going to check that after this to see if you can actually buy a passport in Montenegro because uh, I feel like that's something. Anyway, that's the Vitalik Buterin is now a citizen of Montenegro. So I, I, I think he has the Canadian one, Montenegro. I think he's also Russian as well. I mean, I know his parents are Russian. I don't know if he has a Russian passport. And I assume there's at least two other countries that we just don't know about. But um, <laughs> I love the awkward photo. It's so good. <laughs> Somebody was like, okay, Mr. Buterin, hold it up. And he's like, all right. Now, a smile. Come on, give us a smile. Okay, there we go. And that's now the official. <laughs> he looks so uncomfortable. Right. I think that's going to do it for this video. Um, I do hope that you've all enjoyed. I do hope that you all are having a great day, great morning, great afternoon, great evening, wherever you are, wherever you might be. I do hope it's absolutely fantastic. Thank you all once again for watching, listening, and or supporting, leaving likes, leaving comments. I always do appreciate it. And I will most certainly be talking to you all soon. See you.